Chapter Two of the Pinafore Picture Book: The Story of H. M. S. Pinafore by W. S. Gilbert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two. One of the most important personages in the government of that day was Sir Joseph Porter, the first Lord of the Admiralty. You would naturally think that the person who commanded the entire navy would be the most accomplished sailor who could be found but that is not the way in which such things are managed in england sir joseph porter who had risen from a very humble position to be a lawyer and then a member of parliament was i believe the only man in england who knew nothing whatever about ships now as england is a great maritime country it is very important that all englishmen should understand something about men of war so as soon as it was discovered that his ignorance of a ship was so complete that he didn't know one end of it from the other some important person said let us set this poor ignorant gentleman to command the british fleet and by that means give him an opportunity of ascertaining what a ship really is this was considered to be a most wise and sensible suggestion and so sir joseph porter was at once appointed first lord of the admiralty of great britain and ireland i dare say you think i am joking but indeed i am quite serious that is the way in which things are managed in this great and happy country now sir joseph porter was one of the many people who having accidentally seen her without her nose had fallen a victim to the extraordinary beauty of miss josephine corcoran he quite recognized the fact that his position as first lord of the admiralty of this mighty country rendered it undesirable that he should marry so obscure a lady as the daughter of a mere captain in the navy but josephine's charm was so overpowering that he determined to put his pride in his pocket and condescend to bestow his hand upon her so one day he announced to captain corcoran that it was his intention to visit her majesty's ship pinafore in order to propose for his daughter's hand now most people would think that josephine would have gladly accepted so great a man as sir joseph but it so happened that that young lady was not at all impressed by the honour which he proposed to confer upon her she did not object to him personally indeed she had never seen him but she was a girl of spirit with a will of her own and had no idea of being handed over without her consent to any gentleman however important a person he might be moreover and this was a profound secret she had been greatly struck with the many good qualities of ralph rackstraw who never lost a chance of distinguishing himself in her eyes whenever he saw her looking in his direction he assumed a series of the most graceful and captivating attitudes ever seen and josephine was never tired of watching him as he gradually moved from one beautiful pose to another each more graceful and more truly artistic than the last his lovely tenor voice also charmed her greatly and his performances on a penny jew's harp appeared to her to excel any music that the most expensive instruments could produce at the same time she was much too proud and too well behaved to allow ralph to know that she admired him so it was a secret between her and herself and neither was so dishonourable as to violate the other's confidence on the eventful morning of sir joseph's intended visit 
Captain Corcoran came on deck as soon as he had finished his breakfast. Captain Corcoran had arranged a pretty little musical method of greeting his crew, and the crew practiced it with him until they were perfect. This was how he greeted his crew every day. "'My gallant crew, good morning!' and they would reply, "'Sir, good morning!' Then he would say, "'I hope you're all quite well!' and they would answer, "'Quite well, and you, sir?' and he would reply i am in reasonable health and happy to see you all once more and they would sing you do us proud sir of course when he was not quite well he would alter the words to suit his condition like this i have a dreadful toothache yet i'm happy to see you all once more or i have a housemaid's knee yet i am happy to see you all once more and so forth for Captain Corcoran never intentionally said anything that was not strictly true. After this introduction, he used to tell them something about himself. The captain, I am the captain of the pinafore. The crew, and a right good captain too. The captain politely, you're very, very good, and be it understood, I command a right good crew. The crew to each other, we're very very good and be it understood he commands a right good crew the captain though related to a peer i can stand reef and steer and guide a selvagee i am never known to quail at the fury of a gale and i'm never never sick at sea the crew who know better what never the captain mere forgetfulness no never the crew who remember one instance what never the captain who now recollects the occasion they are referring to hardly ever the crew delighted at having caught him tripping he's hardly ever sick at sea then give three cheers and one cheer more for the hardy captain of the pinafore the captain i do my best to satisfy you all the crew and with you were quite content the captain, you're exceedingly polite, and I think it only right to return the compliment. The crew to each other, we're exceedingly polite, and he thinks it only right to return the compliment. The captain, bad language or abuse I never, never use, whatever the emergency. How tiresome, I may occasionally say, but I never use a big, big B. The crew, who remember a certain occasion, what, never? the captain the circumstance had slipped his memory uh, no never the crew who don't mean to let him off what never the captain the incident suddenly occurring to him hardly ever the crew who have scored hardly ever says a big big b then give three cheers and one cheer more for the well-bred captain of the pinafore and they gave three of the heartiest cheers you ever heard after this pretty little ceremony, which might with advantage be more generally adopted throughout the navy, the officers and sailors employed themselves with a variety of easy little tasks suited to rather lazy people on a very fine warm day. Captain Corcoran, who was never idle, was about to retire to his cabin to arrange the figures of a minuet which he intended to teach his men to dance, when his attention was arrested by Josephine, who at that moment came on deck. The poor young lady was very sad, and sang a remarkably beautiful song of her own composition. It ran like this. 
sorry her lot who loves too well heavy the heart that hopes but vainly sad are the sighs that own the spell uttered by eyes that speak too plainly heavy the sorrow that bows the head when love is alive and hope is dead the good captain was distressed to see his dear daughter in this bilious frame of mind my child said he i grieve to see that you are a prey to melancholy there's another verse papa said josephine who rather resented interruption don't sing it my child your music depresses us both i want you to look your best to-day for sir joseph porter will arrive presently to claim your promised hand nay father said josephine i can esteem reverence even venerate sir joseph for i shouldn't be surprised if he is a great and good man but i cannot love him for alas my heart is given given exclaimed her father and to whom not to some gilded lordling no papa said she the object of my affection is no lordling oh pity me for he is but a humble sailor on board your own ship impossible said captain corcoran yet it is true replied josephine too true a common sailor exclaimed the captain oh fie i quite feel the fie said she but he's anything but common come my child said her father let us talk this over in a matter of the heart i would not control my daughter i attach little value to rank or wealth but the line must be drawn somewhere a man in that lowly station may be brave and worthy but at every step he would make dreadful blunders that society would never pardon he would drop his h's and eat peas with his knife captain corcoran's sentiments upon this point were so right and just that one is more sorry than ever that he should have boasted in his song of being related to a peer it is just one of those unfortunate little slips that one never can quite get out of one's mind personally i hope he did it only because he wanted to rhyme to steer but after all that's a very poor excuse all that you say is true replied josephine but fear not papa i have a heart and therefore i love but i am your daughter and therefore i am proud though i carry my love with me to the tomb he shall never never know it poor girl she thought so at the time but as the result will show she sadly overestimated her strength of mind and the consequence was a pretty kettle of fish i promise you at this point a message was brought to the captain by lieutenant hatchway that the ship's barge was approaching with sir joseph on board accompanied by his two plain sisters his three ugly aunts and ever so many pretty cousins their daughters sir joseph was a gentleman of great refinement who was very easily shocked and as he knew that the society of charming ladies had the effect of making everybody polite and considerate he never travelled any great distance without them pipe the side and man the ship said the captain which meant that he wished all the officers to stand in a row to salute the first lord and all the crew to stand upright on the various spars that crossed the three masts which is the way in which superior persons were always received on a man-of-war 
the captain of marines who are a kind of military sailors or nautical soldiers brought up his men that they might present arms with their rifles at the word of command and the ship's band were ready with all their instruments to play god save the queen at the proper moment all these preparations were ready by the time the ship's barge which is a very large and handsome boat rowed by twelve sailors seated two and two was alongside and in a few moments sir joseph porter and his female relations stepped on board the officers saluted the marines presented arms the drums rattled the band struck up the national anthem and nine-pounder drums were fired from the middle deck sir joseph who was quite as fond of music as captain corcoran had composed these remarkable verses which he always sang whenever he went on board a man-of-war sir joseph i'm the monarch of the sea the ruler of the queen's navy whose praise great britain loudly chaunts and the ladies sang and we are his sisters and his cousins and his aunts sir joseph when at anchor here i ride my bosom swells with pride and i snap my fingers at a foeman's taunts all the ladies and so do his sisters and his cousins and his aunts sir joseph but when the breezes blow i generally go below and seek the seclusion that a cabin grants all the ladies and so do his sisters and his cousins and his aunts his sisters and his cousins whom he reckons up by dozens and his aunts then sir joseph who was proud of his lowly origin and who thought that a short sketch of his career would afford a useful example to ambitious persons in a humble rank of life was so good as to sing the following song when i was a lad i served a term as office-boy in an attorney's firm i cleaned the windows and i swept the floor and i polished up the handle of the big front door i polished up that handle so successfully that now i am the ruler of the queen's navy as office-boy i made such a mark that they gave me the post of a junior clerk i served the writs with a smile so bland and i copied all the letters in a big round hand and i copied all the letters in a hand so free that now i am the ruler of the queen's navy in serving writs i made such a name that an article clerk i soon became i wore clean collars and a brand new suit for the pass examination at the institute that pass examination did so well for me that now i am the ruler of the queen's navy of legal knowledge i acquired such a grip that they took me into partnership and that junior partnership i ween was the only ship that i had ever seen but that same ship so suited me that now i am the ruler of the queen's navy i grew so rich that i was sent to the house as a member of parliament i always voted at my party's call and i never thought of thinking for myself at all i thought so little they rewarded me by making me the ruler of the queen's navy now landsmen all whoever you may be if you want to rise to the top of the tree if your soul isn't fettered to an office stool be careful to be guided by this golden rule stick close to your desks and never go to sea and you all may be rulers of the queen's navy between ourselves i think this last suggestion was rather silly for he was addressing people who had already gone to sea and consequently could not possibly act on his advice but i am afraid that sir joseph though a very distinguished man was like a good many other very distinguished men 
a bit of a goose you've a remarkably fine crew captain corcoran said sir joseph when he had finished his song and was quite sure that they didn't want him to sing it again it is a fine crew said captain corcoran i hope you treat them kindly captain corcoran indeed i hope so sir joseph no bullying i trust no strong language of any kind oh never sir joseph what never said sir joseph who had heard rumours to the contrary the captain's eye met those of some of his crew who shook their fingers significantly at him well hardly ever said the captain they are an excellent crew and do their work thoroughly without it sir joseph was one of those people whom it is extremely difficult to satisfy for you never quite knew whether what you said would please him or make him angry and it generally did the latter he was very fond of popularity and as there were five hundred sailors on board the pinafore and only one captain he thought it a good plan to snub the captain in order to make friends of the crew it is true that he was in love with the captain's daughter but he felt sure that the captain was so anxious to have such a great and powerful man as the first lord of the admiralty for a son-in-law that a few snubs more or less might be safely indulged in so when captain corcoran praised his crew so highly sir joseph porter said to him very angrily don't patronize them sir that you are their captain is a mere accident of birth i cannot permit these noble fellows to be patronized because an accident of birth has placed you above them and them below you poor captain corcoran turned very red and felt extremely tingly down the back at being so publicly rebuked it is always a mistake to rebuke people in the presence of those who have to obey them if it can possibly be avoided i am the last person to insult a british sailor sir joseph said he you are the last person who did said sir joseph snappishly i feel quite sorry for captain corcoran who really meant as well as possible he was a much truer gentleman than sir joseph though i can't quite forget that unfortunate remark of his about being related to a peer during this conversation ralph rackstraw had assumed in succession several of his choicest attitudes and these naturally attracted sir joseph's attention captain corcoran said he desire that splendid seaman to step forward rakestraw said the captain three paces to the front march sir joseph pretended to be greatly shocked at this abrupt command if what said sir joseph very sternly the captain was puzzled i beg your pardon said he i don't quite understand if you please said sir joseph with a very strong emphasis on the please now it is not usual in the navy to say if you please whenever you give an order it would take up too much time but captain corcoran was bound to obey the great man though you will observe that the great man never said if you please when he addressed captain corcoran the captain looking as if he had just bitten a pill said uh, oh yes uh, of course if you please and accordingly ralph rackstraw took three paces to the front and if ever a captain in the navy said bother under his breath captain corcoran was that man you're a remarkably fine fellow said sir joseph addressing ralph 
yes your honour replied ralph who was too well acquainted with his duty to presume to differ from the first lord of the admiralty and a first-rate seaman i'll be bound there's not a smarter sailor in the navy your honour said ralph though i say it who shouldn't this sounds rather conceited of ralph but he had learnt from captain corcoran to speak the exact truth on all occasions besides he wanted to convince sir joseph how right he was in the opinion he had formed now tell me ralph don't be afraid how does your captain treat you a better captain don't walk the deck your honour and all the rest of the crew said here here this was not quite what sir joseph wanted he would rather that ralph had said well he does his best poor chap or something of that half complimentary kind however he managed to conceal his disappointment a good said he i i like to think you speak well of your commanding officer i dare say he doesn't deserve it but it does you credit now captain corcoran a word with you in private certainly sir joseph replied the captain boatswain said he turning towards mr bobstay in commemoration of sir joseph's visit see that an extra tub of raspberry jam is served out to the ship's company beg pardon said mr bobstay who hadn't forgotten sir joseph's lesson in politeness if what your honour captain corcoran could scarcely believe his ears if what said he i don't i really don't think i understand you if you please your honour the captain looked thunderstruck when sir joseph interposed the gentleman is quite right if you please the captain had almost let out another bother but he gulped it down with a great effort if you please said he and sir joseph entered the cabin with captain corcoran followed by his two plain sisters his three ugly aunts and all his pretty cousins refreshments had thoughtfully been provided for them in the wardroom which is the apartment assigned to the lieutenants on board a man-of-war and they enjoyed a delightful luncheon in the agreeable society of the junior officers in gilt buttons and gold epaulets who paid even more attention to sir joseph's plain sisters and ugly aunts than they did to his younger and more attractive relations which shows what thoroughly well-bred gentlemen british naval officers are plain elderly people are just as hungry as young and pretty ones and nobody ought to make any distinction between them while sir joseph communicated his matrimonial intentions at great length to captain corcoran in his private cabin the crew broke up and withdrew to the forecastle to discuss the events of the morning ah said mr busby sir joseph's a true gentleman courteous and considerate to the very humblest well spoke well spoke they all cried they should have said spoken and would have done so if their education had been properly attended to you see these poor ignorant sailors were not shrewd enough to understand that sir joseph had his reasons for flattering them so outrageously he longed for popularity and determined to acquire it at any price and it is quite clear that as far as the crew of the pinafore was concerned he had fully achieved his object old ard said another of the crew bill bowling by name we are not as humble as all that sir joseph has explained our true position to us and if he says that a british sailor is any man's equal why it's our duty to believe him oh, that's right enough muttered all the sailors except dick deadeye who knew better 
you're on the wrong tack said he and so sir joseph he means well but he don't know when people have to obey other people's orders equality's out of the question i really believe that if the crew had not been restrained by humane consideration they would have pulled dick deadeye's hair dick deadeye said mr bobstay if you go for to infuriate this here ship's crew too far i won't answer for being able to hold em in i'm shocked that's what i am shocked messmates said rafe who had been greatly impressed by what sir joseph had said my mind's made up i'll speak to the captain's daughter and tell her like an honest man of the honest love i have for her the crew cheered loudly is not my love as good as another's continued rafe is not my heart as true as another's have i not hands and eyes and ears and limbs like another you've got as pretty an outfit of them useful articles as any man on board said mr bobstay true said rafe rather despondently i lack birth here bill bowling interfered with a rather silly joke not a bit of it said bill you've got a berth on board this very ship well said replied rafe who sailor-like jumped at any argument however ridiculous that he thought would help his case i had forgotten that messmate don't you approve my determination there was a general murmur of ay ay we do and right you are i don't no i do not of course it was dick deadeye who said this bill bobstay was in despair what's to be done with this here hopeless chap said he suppose we sing him the official admirably song that sir joseph wrote and caused to be distributed through the fleet it may bring this here miserable creature to a proper state of mind rafe gave the keynote on his jew's harp and they all struck up in chorus notwithstanding rafe's thoughtful precaution they began on seven different notes but by the time they had finished the third line they had wobbled into something like an agreement as to the key in which it was to be sung a british tar is a soaring soul as free as a mountain bird his energetic fist should be ready to resist a dictatorial word his nose should pant and his lips should curl his cheeks should flame and his brow should furl his bosom should heave and his heart should glow and his fist be ever ready for a knock-down blow his eye should flash with an inborn fire his brow with scorn be wrung he never should bow down to a domineering frown or the tang of a tyrant tongue his foot should stamp and his throat should growl his hair should twirl and his face should scowl his eyes should flash and his chest protrude and this should be his customary attitude as they sang the last line they all except rafe assumed fighting attitudes as if they were inviting the whole world to come on rafe stood apart in the pose of ajax defying the lightning for it was his strict rule to assume classical attitudes only End of chapter two